This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 41. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today's guest is Dr. Lee Warren, the author of No Place to Hide. How's it going, Lee? Hey, Tom. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me with you today. Yeah. Do you prefer Lee or Dr. Warren? I don't know. I, f- I felt inappropriate just saying Lee there. <laughs> Let's go with Lee. That's great. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, hey, thanks so much for being on the call with us today. Um, I read the book, No Place to Hide. For those listening, check it out. It's it's a nonfiction book about uh, almost uh, bio- autobiogra- autobiographical. Is that correct, Lee? Yeah, it's a memoir, sort of. Yeah, a memoir. And it's about his time in Iraq as uh, a, a surgeon. And so it's a, a pretty intense story. I, I found it riveting. And I actually, I, I mean, I was deployed. So a lot of that stuff is not um, necessarily surprising to me, but I still found it's, um, it, again, it, it, both entertaining and, and exciting and, and just kept me, uh, you kept me actively engaged. And I think it's something that everybody should check out. But, but Lee, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and go ahead and, and, and I want to hear a little bit about the, the background on, on No Place to Hide. Okay. Um, well, I, was, uh, I went to medical school on scholarship from the Air Force. So once I finished my training as a neurosurgeon, I owed the Air Force four years of active duty. So um, I came on to active duty in August of 2001. And then, of course, September 11th, 2001 happened and we went from peacetime to wartime. Um, and then I, I was deployed uh, over the next four years to Germany at Landstuhl and then ultimately to Iraq. Um, and in 2005, when I went to Iraq, the Balad Air Base there, the Air Force Theater Hospital, was basically tents. It was about eight tents that were stuck together. And so we were the, the busiest combat theater hospital in Iraq and at the same time the most heavily attacked base in Iraq for a couple of years, um, mortared almost every day, mortared and rocketed, which you know something about. Um, but basically we were just dealing with a very high volume of seriously injured patients, both U.S. soldiers and coalition forces and then Iraqi civilians and even uh, insurgents and terrorists. Um, So I was there for 120 days and um, over the course of that time um, sent emails basically home to my friends and family that kind of chronicled what I was doing. Uh, A few years later, that journal served me to help me remember all the things that I'd been through um, that ultimately turned into this book. before I went to war, I was kind of in a season of a lot of personal struggle. My 16-year-long marriage had failed and was ending about the time I went to Iraq. Um, my brother had a stroke and nearly died. He was 42 years old at the time. And, um, so like the week before I left for Iraq, my life was kind of already at war. Um, so I, I left for the war in, in a season of personal struggle and kind of as I went through my experiences in Iraq, was dealing with all the trauma and the carnage. And and so I was kind of, I guess on an emotional level, sort of dealing with a a spiritual or, you know, metaphorical war and a physical one at the same time. And when I came home from Iraq, um, 
really struggled for a while with um, some post-traumatic stress issues and, and some issues of kind of trying to figure out how to reintegrate and put my life back together. Um, and ultimately uh, remarried and started a private practice in Alabama. And, and um, in about 2010, so five years after I got home from Iraq, um, my wife and I, Lisa and I, were watching um, HBO when I saw a show called Generation Kill. I don't know if you saw that, but it's basically a, an Iraq war, you know, re, you know, recreation of what was going on about the 2005 and six era in Iraq. And I saw a scene where some guys got hurt on the battlefield, and then they put them on a helicopter and were flying them to Balad. And, and I said, hey, that's my hospital. And within about a day of that, uh, emotionally, I was back in the, the sort of post-traumatic stress reactions that I had when I first came home from the war. And really, for about three or four months there, I was, you know, you've probably been through it too, but having nightmares and unable to sleep and really irritable and just really struggling with all that stuff. And and I realized I had never unpacked my stuff when I came home. I literally like put all my trunks in the garage and never opened them, never talked about it much, hadn't told the stories, hadn't really gone through it except for, you know, anecdotes to my family from time to time. And Lisa encouraged me to start kind of tearing all that stuff out of there um, and, and going through it and writing about it. And ultimately that experience of unpacking those bags and, and beginning to, the kind of write and journal led to um, the creation of this book. Yeah, that's, I mean, what a story. Tell me a little bit about, you know, coming from that experience and, and the actual, <coughs> writing, and the actual writing process, was that something that was, I don't know what the right word is, cathartic or, or maybe was it, was it something that you, um, you know, you did because it was kind of something that you could help you relax or help you kind of, um, uh, you know, deal with PTSD or anything like that? Was it a situation? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. You know, I kind of ignored Lisa at first when she said, Hey, I think you should write about this. And you've always written stuff. And I think you should write about your experiences in the war. And I kind of blew that off. And then uh, as I was continuing to struggle, I, I ran into a friend who's actually a psychiatrist and kind of pulled him aside and told him, gave him a thumbnail sketch of what was going on. And and the first thing he said was, you know, writing is a great way to deal with that. You should journal and, you know, kind of get some of that stuff out of your head and onto paper and share it with people who love you. And and um, and so I, you know, Lisa didn't, she was gracious and didn't say I told you so, but, <laughs> but I started writing and then found that that was really very healing for me um, and actually self-published the book at first, um, never intending for it to be anything but for friends and family. Yeah. So, how did the process go then, from putting it out there that it 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 sounds like then it got picked up by a publisher? Tell me about that process. Yeah, it was really fascinating. I feel very blessed um, to to have been through this experience because the uh, there's a, a Christian writer named Philip Yancey. Um, he's sold like sixty million books. He's he's written I don't know twenty or so published works, and he's been an influential to me in my spiritual life. And I was on his website one day and right after my self-published book came out and he had an article about the Iraq war and he was kind of making some statements about how he felt about it and, and sort of on a, um, almost in reaction to what he had said, I sent an email to his publisher, which was Zondervan Harper Collins and said, Hey, I don't know if, if you can get this to Philip Yancey or not, but I, I would like to send him a copy of my book because it addresses a lot of the things he's talking about. And a month or two later, I got an email from him directly saying that he would like to read it. So I mailed him a copy of my 
self-published version of this book and didn't figure I'd hear from him again. But a month or so after that, he called me and said, hey, I, I really think this is a story that needs to get out there. And I don't think it's written well enough. You kind of wrote it like you, you were talking to your mom. And he said, I think you need to, if you're interested and you want to write it again, if it's good enough, I'll introduce you to my agent and you know see what happens. And so I, I took about two years um, and actually learned how to write and, and wrote the book again from a, a first person sort of chronological um, memoir style. And when I finished it, he, I sent it back to him. And as promised, he introduced me to Kathy Helmers of Creative Trust, who is his agent. And, and she thought the book had a lot of merit and basically sold it to Zondervan HarperCollins within about 30 days of pitching it to the market. Interesting. So now, t t this is something fascinating because not many people go this route. Uh, that at least that I've spoken to, oftentimes it's a, it's one or the other. It's self-publishing or, or published. So you've had both sides of the coin on one book in particular. What was um, what was your experience then on both sides of, of the coin, both the going the self-published route and then the published route? And what how much impact did going get going the published route have um, on, on the book itself and on I guess its reception? Well, I think it's huge. Um, you know, when I wrote it, you know, I'm a practicing neurosurgeon. I never actually never thought about that book being anything that would, you know, gain any notoriety for me or generate any revenue. It was really just about telling my story and it was, you know, we're making it available for our patients and our family and whatnot. So I didn't go out and do the things that you're doing with trying to market it and, you know, promote that book and try to, you know, make it um, do much. And it was just sort of something I did to, to get my story out of my head. But then once, once somebody like Philip Yancey showed, interested in it and he really felt like that the, the public at large would want to hear that story um hooking up with the traditional publisher really allowed me to gain an education on how books are marketed and sold and how writers build their careers and um i really found that i had a lot to say and and intended to write other books and then when my book finally launched um I realized the power of having a publisher behind you is very different than, than trying to learn how to market and sell books on your own. And that, you know, they've done a lot of things for me, um, like arrange radio interviews. I've done probably 50 live or, or live or recorded radio interviews across the country. Um, doing a, a TV appearance next week on a, a major Christian network called CBN. That's a viewed by a million people a week. Um, do, I had a, piece in the guidepost magazine last week which has a circulation of two million all those things came from the, the efforts of the publisher um on the other hand the thing i've learned is that nobody's going to actually go out and actively market your book other than sending out you know these these requests for media appearances and all that so if you want your book to be successful you still have to do it yourself um and market and network and and if you want to build a speaking career, for example, which I'm starting to work on now, you've got to push those buttons yourself. So having seen both sides of it, I think there's, there's tremendous power in having a publisher behind you. Um, and you know, things like advances and, and all that, that you don't have to pay for uh, out of your own pocket. But I think still, if you have the mindset of the right writing and, and marketing a book as a business, I think that the best, way to turn a book into a success story and I'm hoping mine becomes one is really to still view it as a business that you have to run yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So which is it I guess is it true to say then the fact that just because it was traditionally published that you were able to spread the message further, 
it was taken more um, as more of a legitimate book because of absolutely that. interesting, and that's absolutely reception. Okay, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I mean, no doubt. I mean, you know, the, the publisher opened doors for me to have uh, cover endorsements, for example, from people that I would not have had access to. Um, some of them without the publisher's help, um, you know, um, some big names in the, in the Christian literature and in that environment endorsed my book because of the, the fact that it had been traditionally published. And, um, a guy named Max Lucado who sold 300 or 400 million books. He's the number one Christian writer probably of all time, um, is the back cover endorser for this book. And, and although I, we, we knew Max personally. I, I don't think he would have endorsed the book had it been self-published just because it's a big, um, it's a big risk for a big name writer to put their name on something if it's not well supported. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think having the publisher behind you gives you a lot of credibility and opens a lot of doors for you that are harder to open if you don't have that publisher working on your behalf. So I think it's a great, it's an advantage in that regard. Um, I do think that you still have, nobody has your best interest or your book's best interest at heart more than you do though. And I think still having it published by a traditional publisher is not the end all be all to making a book a success. The author has to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about that relationship thing. Cause I'm also curious about that when it comes to promoting your own book, uh, you know, obviously the the publisher um, it provides that validation as far as a book is concerned. Although, uh, of course, you know, somebody who who does book publishing and self publishing, um, I think that self published books could be just as legitimate. I, I'm a, a, a true believer in that, and I, I would I would think that your book. No, well, actually, before I get to this, I'm curious: Did your book change much between when you went from self published to published? Yeah, the it, book itself. Yeah, it's a, it's a completely different book. I mean, I, the first version was I, I included all of the emails I'd sent home, and it was organized kind of around themes, like certain things I was thinking about. I kind of organized the chapters in sort of uh, like a life lesson and experience kind of themes. Um, and this book is is the story of what happened to me before, during, and after the war, and it's in chronological order, and it's and it's. It's it's a true memoir. So the two books are very different. Although if you read both of them, you'd see some similar stories and some of the same things that I talked about in both books. But but the first book that I wrote um, was was very much a, a friends and family type of book. And I think that's the big difference in the type of self publishing that you do and the more vanity <coughs> self publishing things like I did. With you know you can go to a million different websites and pay somebody to publish a book for you. And that's pretty much what I did. Um, uh, and, and they were great. I, honestly, Westbo Press is who I used. Um, and you know, they're a well-established self-publishing agency that belongs to Thomas Nelson Publishers. And they had great support, but all of it is paid for by the writer. So, you know, you basically take the services that they have available and you choose which ones you want and you buy those services. So it's a little different from the, from a, independent or smaller press like you might be running or somebody's going to come along and, and if they have a project that has merit, you'll publish it with them as opposed to anybody can pay for a vanity press and have a book published. And so I think the strategies are a little different, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. So you've, you got this, it obviously has been a, a resounding, like it's, it's, it's been a success. I will say resounding success. I, it sounds like it. <laughs> 
I know that people have, I enjoyed it. I know other people have enjoyed it. And it sounds like it's opened up a lot of doors for you to do speaking engagements and things like that. Is that, is that the case? It has so far. Yeah. And you know, it's still real young. It's only been out a few months and, um, I've hooked up with several people that I would never have had access to without the book. And it's, it's beginning to get that feeling that it's starting to gain momentum and, you know, unknown authors that come out with books. I think it's rare for a book to become a bestseller in a short period of time. And and sort of haven't achieved that yet, but I feel like the momentum is beginning to build because we're getting more and more speaking requests and now, now live TV and, you know, people like you are asking to talk about it. And so it feels like it's gaining momentum. And I think that's what has to happen. A, a, a certain quantum of people have to become aware of a project being out there uh, before it starts selling in great numbers. Um, I know it's on the second printing, so that's good uh, sign so far. And, and I'm, I'm excited about the possibility of getting the story even into more hands. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that process. Uh, well, I guess, uh, you know, dovetailing into where that's brought you now and today. You're working on a fiction book, is that correct? Yeah, I've actually completed uh, my first novel and it's um, the agent um, is requested a couple of, we've had three or four rounds of, of tweaks. Um, it's it's finished and it's close, probably within the next week or two, I'll have the manuscript ready to sell and we're going to try to sell this one to, to New York. Um, you know, mainstream publishers as, as opposed to uh, niche markets. Um, so well, that's been kind of an adventure and, and it's been a fun learning curve for me to learn how to write fiction. And, um, my goal is now to try to publish one nonfiction and one fiction book a year. Um, I hope I can do that. Wow. So this, but I mean, you're also a doctor still, right? Yeah, I'm a full-time practicing neurosurgeon, but writing's become an important part of my life. And as you know, writing, I mean, once you, once you understand that you have the ability to influence and help people with your words, that's a powerful drug, right? To, yeah. to be able to, um, you know, I could operate in my career from now forward until I'm too old to pick up a scalpel anymore. I could operate maybe on, you know, 10,000 more people, but with my words, I can influence millions of people, uh, if I can write them well enough to get them out there. So that's, um, that's important to me is to try to help people and influence them. And if I can do that on a global scale with my words, that's, that's, uh, another kind of doctoring besides what I do in the operating room. That's awesome. I love that. So tell me a bit about this process of going from nonfiction to fiction. I mean, what's that like to switch over? I mean, that's, I, I mean, I have not necessarily dabbled with the fiction genre yet. So tell me about that. Well, I think it's, it's it's all about telling stories, and the way I write nonfiction, I mean, I'm not writing a. You know, my nonfiction books are never going to be a you know a technical manual of you know how to do brain surgery or something like that. My my nonfiction is is always going to be memoir or it's going to be theme based. Um, like I write about, I've got another short nonfiction book that I self published on Kindle called A Peek Under the Hood, and it's sort of brain surgery stories with life applications and faith applications that I, that I told. So my, my nonfiction writing is all about telling a story in a way to teach something to someone. And so it dawned on me that because many more people read fiction than nonfiction, that if I really want to, if I want to make a point or tell a story that leads people to a certain set of conclusions or influences people in their lives or helps them in their lives, I think 
there's a group of people that I could get there with using fiction as an, as the vehicle that I might never reach with nonfiction. If you come out and say, Hey, this is a book about how being a brain surgeon brought me closer to God, that there's a group of people that wouldn't read that. Right. But if you write a novel about a, a spy in Afghanistan who invents a device that can read somebody's mind. And in the course of doing that, he finds out that reading someone's mind is tantamount to playing God. And that creates moral issues and complicates his life in various ways. Then there's a lot of people who would read that story that would never pick up a nonfiction book that gets them to the same set of questions. So learning, does that that make sense? Yeah. Totally. So for me, learning to write fiction was uh, an end you know, a means to an end of, of trying to become a better storyteller and therefore to achieve this goal that I have of broadening my ability to influence and impact people in their lives. So um, learning to write fiction is actually, and you can write this down because it's true, it's harder than brain surgery. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. I, I, I might have to quote you on that. <laughs> you can quote me on that. That's true. It's, it, it's harder than brain surgery because, you know, the... It's funny how many people um, think that they can just quit their day job and become writers. And real writers, as you know, um, they kind of roll their eyes when they hear everybody at the party has uh, tells them that, hey, I'm working on a book or I think I have a novel in me. You know, it's kind of um, it, it's it's kind of like thinking you can fly the space shuttle if you just practice it a couple of days. You know, the writer, real writers look at guys like me that start writing at 40 with a jet, you know, a jaded eye because there's craft involved. And the interesting thing about learning how to do brain surgery is that it's a set of skills that most anyone could learn if they applied the 14 or 15 years that it took me to learn how to do that. So it's a skill and a craft that comes with practice and training. And that's what writing is. So if you really want to be able to write down a story and have it move people and work for them. There's craft pieces involved in that. And there's, there's books available and you have to practice and you have to learn a new skill. So learning to write nonfiction was much easier for me because you're telling your own story. So that element of kind of making up the story isn't there. You already know the story. You just have to write it down in a way that makes sense. But when you're when you're writing fiction, there's so many moving parts to how you tell a story and how you develop characters and how you make people real and not boring or not, you know, not two dimensional that it really is a craft that must be learned. And, and it's taken me three years so far. Um, and, uh, and I wrote one novel that the agent looked at and said, you know, you should put this one in a drawer and try again. <laughs> and so it was, it was really a learning curve for me. And I'm, and I feel like I'm getting there and I really believe that this book kill switch will be published hopefully in the next year. So tell me about that process then. You're not working with the same publisher for this because it's fiction? Well, I'm working with the same agent. Same um, agent okay. it'll, it'll be sold hopefully to a publisher. And, um, but um, yeah, the same agent, Kathy Helmers, has, has been in, in, in publishing for many years and she's um, done a lot of nonfiction and some very successful fiction and, and she believes that she can sell this book for me. So we're going to try it and uh, she's been tremendous, and uh, it's such a blessing to work with Creative Trust and with Kathy, and, and um, I just hope that hope that I uh, end up earning the great amount of trust and patience that they've invested in me. Yeah. So, how's that process? Does that change at all in terms of getting a publisher for a fiction book versus a nonfiction book? I mean, 
if that's a really ignorant question, uh, excuse me. I, I just, I'm just really curious if that changes the process at all. <laughs> it, it does. Um, it changes it a lot. Um, we actually took this book to the marketplace once uh, already, and we thought it was ready a few months ago, and we took it to the marketplace, and basically the response was, wow, you you really got some good chops. You're writing well, but the story's not ready, and we can't sell it. Um, you know, we, we can't buy it because we don't think we can sell it. Um, and so that was kind of an, I was taken aback because I had, I was batting a thousand, you know, my very first book we took to market and sold in less than a month. So I had this idea that I was, you know, I was ready to go. But with fiction, the, the big difference is a publisher can look at a, at a nonfiction book and they already pretty much know how the marketplace is going to respond to that. Right. they, they said, wow, this is a, an Iraq war memoir from a brain surgeon that sets it apart from all the other Iraq war memoirs. And it's timely because there's stuff going on in Iraq again and people are interested in that and who's not interested in brain surgery sort of thing. So automatically the publisher has a sense of what they, they think they can do with the story. And it's not necessarily tied to your name or who you are because it's more about the story and how that sits in what's going on Um socially and politically in the world at the time that the book comes out. With fiction, though, it's if you have an unknown author, a debut novelist, for example, no publisher can know whether that book's going to make move the needle in anybody's life until it's out there. So it's all a, it's kind of a risk reward. And given the fact that something like 85 percent of books never earn out their advance, it's a risk for a publisher to publish an unknown novelist. So obviously, if my memoir does well and if it becomes a bestseller or if it you know gains some notoriety that will help sell the novel because people will say hey this guy wrote a bestseller so i'll read his novel too but if you don't have that piece then the publisher is really taking a huge risk on a first-time novelist I mean, you know there's all these stories of jk rowling and other people that you know pitched their book to 20 or 30 publishers before somebody finally saw the potential and bought them um for me it's been a very almost two totally different experiences engaging with publishers on nonfiction and with fiction. Yeah, that's kind of fascinating to me. Sorry, I was I was muted there. I was actually I was like, here, let me let me start over. That's I find that fascinating. This difference um, between how to how publishers approach it, I suppose, the vantage point they come at things from. So when it comes to and now your agent, she does um, physical or she does. Uh, um, fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. Okay. So, is that often the case with agents, or do, or do sometimes do agents just uh, focus on one or the other? Well, again, I have I have a, a unique perspective here because I haven't been out there shopping for agents, and I haven't encountered thousands of them. My, you know, my road to picking up this amazing agent was a gift that was given to me by another writer. You know, Philip Yancey introduced me to her, and they looked at my work, and they thought they could sell it, and that's how the relationship came about. So most of the people within Creative Trust, for example, sell their, their buttonhole into genres. They sell fiction, or they sell nonfiction. They sell thrillers, or they sell this or that. And I think that's how most agents work. I think the marketplace is so crowded and I think publishers are so niched that they expect um, certain things from particular agents. And I think a lot of agents develop a real strong, you know, I sell, you know, Amish romance or whatever, (laughs) whatever the genre is, that that's what they sell. And there is, yes, there is a category called Amish romance. I'm not just joking. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, fascinating. Well, really good stuff. You know, I mean, honestly, I think you covered a lot of what I was really curious about 
from the perspective of being a, a self a self published author to then getting published to now switching over to fiction, I think that's just it's just really fascinating. And on on top of that, also being a neurosurgeon, no big deal. So <laughs> it's a pr- pretty incredible. So you know, w- once this next book comes out, I, I have a, a good feeling that you're gonna you're gonna find a publisher, they're gonna buy it. And what what's next for you then after that? You, you said a book a year or two books a year. That is that really what your your intention is? And, and where do you want to go with? with this career as, as a writer or do you, and do you even consider it that? Well, I do. I mean, I, I do consider it a career now because I'm committed to it. And, you know, the agency has, is committed to try to sell books for me as I write them. Um, but my real aim, like I said, my aim is to um, understand that I have a perspective on the world that's unique uh, being a brain surgeon. who's also a person of faith and he's also been through a lot of really hard things in my life. You, you and I talked about, the war and all the things that I've been through. Um, I feel like I've got a message that can help people. And I feel like I can get there from two different angles using nonfiction and fiction. Um, so I, I intend to pursue that, uh, you know, and I mean, the, the nice thing about writing is, is all you can do is you can succeed or you can fail, but you can't really ever fail as long as you keep writing. Cause it's not about how many books you sell. It's about telling your story in a way that you're proud of. So, you know, if, if one person is helped by something you write, that's who knows what that'll do in terms of world influence later on. So, um, I, I feel like it's a career for me now. It, I don't know that it'll supplant my day job, right. you know, as a, as a neurosurgeon, but if it does, that's a, that's a blessing too. I don't, I don't intend to stop practicing medicine, but, um, I'd love to keep writing and selling books. Awesome. Great stuff, Lee. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for being on the call. I know you're busy, obviously, writing books and and uh, and, and doing brain surgery. Not many people can say that. Um, <laughs> so thank you for taking the time of your day to, to talk with us a bit about this and kind of get a behind-the-scenes look into your life, into your writing, and and, and into the, the life of a writer, nonfiction and fiction. I think this was really great stuff. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, Tom. It's, uh, it's great to be on the show, and I really appreciate all the things you're doing. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you're interested in checking out the show notes, just head over to tomworkers.com slash podcast to see our latest episodes. Also, I just wanted to give a quick update to fans and listeners of In the Trenches and specifically what I'm working on right now. For the past two years, I've been publishing books, my own and others, through Insurgent Publishing, my boutique publishing company. In the past six months alone, I've helped four individual authors launch their books to bestseller on Amazon, including Dan Norris's The Seven Day Startup and David Nihill's Do You Talk Funny, among others. And both of those books are still top of the charts months after launch. I've learned two important things from all this. Number one, that people still read books. And believe it or not, they're willing to pay for the good ones. And number two, the $60 billion book industry is only getting bigger and the barrier to entry is only getting lower which means access to this market has never been closer to the average writer, blogger, or author. It is literally within the grasp of anyone who wants it. But you need to know how to approach it the right way, with patience, with a strategy, and with the right implementation and execution. That's why I've been able to launch so many bestsellers, many that are still top of the charts, because we brought great books to the people who wanted and would pay for them. No slimy sales tactics, just honest, powerful marketing. Now, I want to show other authors and publishers how to do the same. Four months ago, I launched the pre-beta to a new super-secret platform called Publishers Empire. In that time, I've helped a dozen authors and publishers start to bring their ideas to life 
And with their help and feedback, we've quickly developed what is, in my opinion, the best, most comprehensive publishing training platform in the world. And now I'm getting ready to open the doors up to a few more students. So if you're interested in being part of a tight-knit family of publishers who help and support one another through their writing and publishing projects, if you want access to over 100 HT training videos to take you through the writing and publishing process, if you want access to proven copy and paste book marketing and sales copy, stuff that we've used to launch bestsellers, and if you'd like professional book covers and templates you could plug your own work into and look like a pro in minutes, and if you'd like all of that while getting the chance to be mentored by me, check out publishersempire.com and sign up to be notified when we launch. That's www.publishersempire.com. I hope to see you there. As always, this is Tom Morcus. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorcus.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.